It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 29th, 2019. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll sit down with David Ramil of Locked On Heat, as well as Fansided's The Step Back, to talk about the Magic's future and, and how, what the Magic proved or didn't prove last season and what that means for the team moving forward. We're a great piece on the Orlando Magic. He, he's from the Orlando area. He comes to Magic games often, even though he covers the Heat on Locked On Heat. So he has an interesting perspective on the team that's a little bit different than ours. We'll talk about that, plus where the Magic stand in the Eastern Conference heading into the 2020 season. A lot of good, lot, a very good conversation coming up for you in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I have a couple things I do want to say. Uh, say First, of course, the regular thing. Just like we have a podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find from someone like me, someone who follows the team religiously and is on the ground uh, following the day-by-day happenings of the team. There's a podcast for every single team in the NBA. It doesn't matter who you are looking for, whether it's the Celtics, the Jazz, the Heat, the Bucks, the Pacers, whoever it is, you can find a Locked On podcast covering that team. Just search on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Plus, we have the National Perspective with Locked On NBA and Fantasy Basketball with Locked On Fantasy Basketball. They're currently going through their team-by-team previews. And I did mine just a few days ago, so check that out on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. You can find all these great podcasts, plus Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy Football, the NFL Team Podcast, MLB Team Podcast, College Podcast with College Football starting up, Charge On, Go Knights, and Go Gators, I guess, and, and Go Cats. Or I'm wearing my Northwestern Big Ten West Champion shirt right here. Um, I got a Vic Law mention in one of my pre- in one of the other podcasts I did, so we'll we'll give the we'll give the Big Ten West champion some some love here on the podcast, uh, and of course uh, you could check out the new podcast, uh, How She Did It, following uh, women in sports media. The first episode is up with Mina Kimes. Definitely check that out as well. You can find all these great podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, wherever you download podcasts to search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Being that this is an Orlando podcast, I know not all my listeners are in Orlando or in Florida, but I assume some of them are. And if you're connected to Orlando, I just want to let everyone know we're doing okay. We do know that Hurricane Dorian is out in the Atlantic and on its way to Central Florida. Look, uh, the current, the last, uh, the last projection that I saw does have the. The, the cone of uncertainty, certainly, in, in Central Florida uh, and does have the eye passing over Orlando as a, as a Category 2 or Category 3 storm uh, around Sunday evening, Monday, after, Monday morning. So don't expect to have a podcast Monday. It's Labor Day. I wasn't going to post one anyway, so don't worry about that. But I do want to remind everyone 
uh, who is who lives in Orlando to make sure you take this seriously. Uh, Orlando and the state of Florida do a fantastic job dealing with dealing with and preparing for hurricanes. Um, I I think I, I am never ever ever concerned about a hurricane, no matter how strong it is in Central Florida and Orlando, because our government officials in both Orange County here in Orlando and before uh, and. Uh, at least from my experience here in Orange County in Orlando, uh, as well as the surrounding counties and the state of Florida do a fantastic job getting us ready. But it's only because we stay prepared and we stay alert to what's going on. So make sure you have all your supplies ready. I, I went down and, and they were out of water at, at, the, at Publix, uh, which is okay. I think that's actually a, a good sign that people are taking this seriously. So I bought myself a new Brita filter, so I'll, I'll have plenty of water. Uh, um, I I, and and I'm and you know we're all ready to, to bunker down and, and get through this storm. Hopefully it'll be past us by Monday Monday evening and we'll be able to get back to life on Tuesday. It'll t- t- it's terrible for our Labor Day, but you know rather just get through this and, and get it done. Um, it, it is a powerful storm, so we do want to take it seriously and, and we do want to be prepared. And so I would urge everyone to please, please, please be prepared for this storm. Have a plan. Know where you're going to ride it out. If you're in an, evac- in an evacuation zone on the coast, on the east coast of Florida, please heed official warnings and, and official instructions to get out while you can. To get out while you can, uh, and when it's time to hunker down, just hunker down and ride it out. It's a hurricane. It's you know, it, it, it's a lot of wind. It's a lot of rain. It's it's it. You know, hopefully the power doesn't go out. I know the last time we had a hurricane, the power did not go out in my neck of the woods. I know it did in other areas. Um, so you just kind of sit through it, get through it and move on from there. So if you are in the central Florida area, please, please, please do what you can for the rest of this week to get ready for this storm. Even if the, even if the cone of uncertainty shifts a little bit North, um, I would still expect Monday to be a rain out and, and expect a lot of, a lot of rain and a lot of wind on Monday. Um, maybe not the full force of this thing, but certainly a, a good chunk of it as well. So uh, Hurricane Dorian is out in the Atlantic. It is headed our way. And, and I just want everyone to know that I'm ready. If you're in Central Florida, I hope you're getting ready. And, I, and we'll see you on the other side here on Tuesday again. I'm, it's, I'm, never, I'm never worried about hurricanes. Our, our state and local officials do a very good job getting us ready, getting, getting the whole area ready, getting the whole city ready. And so I, I am very rarely worried about hurricanes. Um, uh, and so I think I think that that's a comfort, and I hope that everyone gets themselves ready, however they d- d- see fit. Now let's talk some Magic basketball. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are now joined by David Ramil of Locked On Heat, as well as uh, Fansided and and a bunch of other places uh, that, that he'll probably name in a, in a little while as well. Um, David, welcome, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, um, it, it, it's always good to have you. Love, love, love hanging out with you at Magic Games when we get the chance. You, you come down to Orlando every every once in a while, and you know you're probably one of the few national few national media guys that that actually uh, checks in on the Magic from from time to time. And and you wrote a a really interesting piece for Fansided. We'll link to it on the the Locked On Magic Facebook page as well as on Twitter. You wrote a really interesting piece on 
where the magic go next um, after after winning after making the playoffs last year and kind of breaking the the seven year I guess hacks or curse magic themed of course um, that 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 had befallen the franchise since since trading Dwight Howard and um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit a little bit about that um, but first uh, let's let's start at the beginning uh, you know long time since April here but. What were your impressions uh, of the Magic making the playoffs and, and, and being around that around the team a little bit uh, as they went through their playoff journey? I was genuinely kind of surprised that they were able to coalesce the way they did. I, I know that the seeds had been planted, maybe even dating back to Frank Vogel's tenure, as unsuccessful as it was, at least that seemed like it was more concretized as far as the actual focus. I, I think it, they were kind of... I mean, the Magic have been somewhat meandering, and obviously some trades have taken away from their ability to instill any kind of significant, you know, uh, team perspective. And I, I think that kind of changed a little bit during the Vogel administration. And then, obviously, with the hiring of Steve Clifford, I think it was more cemented. And I still didn't know if this team had everything in place to kind of gear up for a playoff run. I, I was still doubtful that the Magic, as talented as they were, and obviously seeing them up close and, and, and seeing the players up close, I knew there was talent there. I knew that there was the focus and drive, but I just didn't know where that clubhouse leader was going to emerge, who in the locker room was going to say, this is it, we're, we're in it. Because so often in the past, Orlando has just kind of fallen apart. There's always been that midseason swoon where they lose you know 10 to 15 games and that kind of knocks them out, and they don't know how to come back from that. This was different. They were sub 500, and all of a sudden, they just seemed to kind of rely on on what had gotten them to into this point in the first place, which was mostly their defense. But they also got some timely shooting, and they got some really good offense going. And it was just a, a really solid, fun effort. And so, when they did make the playoffs, I wasn't quite sure what to make of you know their run. I didn't know whether or not they would be able to capitalize against. Uh, a Toronto team that could have been vulnerable. And again, as I wrote in the piece, it seems like that's an eternity ago because obviously Toronto went on to win a national championship. But for you know a moment there, it looked like the Raptors were vulnerable. And uh, I thought maybe Orlando might have a slight chance given how strong their defense was. Of course, that didn't work out the way it did. But, you know, I, I, I was optimistic for the Magic to make the playoffs because, you know, being able to cover the team and, and go to a playoff uh, environment and see how they would respond was interesting for me, given how, again, over the last couple of years, they've been so far out of the playoff race and they haven't really tasted the postseason in so long. So I, I was curious to see how it all played out. And it was a fun, a, a energetic environment. Um, I, I wish I could have gone to cover the the watch parties just to kind of see how the fan base has kind of rallied behind this group. Because, again, I think they, they, they're starting to see you know, the, the players on this roster and they've kind of gone used to obviously Vooch and others, but I just was curious to see how the, the fans would respond to this playoff, uh, you know, after such a long drought and, uh, and they were really energetic. It was, it was surprising, but fun to watch. Yeah, it was a fantastic atmosphere. And kind of that point about the, the team leadership, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what we were all waiting, waiting on as well. I mean, I, I think maybe it's, a product of six years of constant losing and it's kind of maybe a, a negative mentality, but it, it just always was, it always was like, you know, here's the road trip where the team loses all four games and, and that's it. Or, and they don't bounce back. Or here's the moment where, you know, that, that Memphis game, I think about, I think that Memphis game at home was a huge turning point when yeah. the magic were down 17 at home in the third quarter in a game that, you know, they didn't have to win, 
but losing to a you know Memphis team without Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol playing at home uh, would have been just kind of an emotionally crushing blow. And you know, I, I think that game was a real turning point. And Steve Clifford, I think, kind of felt it was a turning point that they came back, won the game in overtime, and Steve Clifford kind of said, un, unprompted, you know, I told the guys that's that game showed you what this crowd can do. And I think that's the game when everyone really started to believe like that they can make the playoffs. This, this thing can really happen. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that was a huge moment for this team because, you know, I think that finally kind of put to bed, like we can't, like we, we can do this, that, that this thing is possible, that we are good enough. Cause you know, I think when you're in a losing locker room too much, you know how good you, you can be and are, but you're just kind of despondent and kind of listing through the end of the season. And so I think there was, a huge excitement there. And, and like you said, I think the fans really came along for the ride and, and were really behind this team in a way that we haven't seen, honestly, I would say since the 2010 conference finals, not even, not even the 2011 and 2012 teams that made the playoffs fans were really energized by this team in a way that, that we haven't seen. And, you know, maybe some Orlando city influence came in because of the way fans feel about that team. But, uh, but it was definitely an energetic building and, and it was great to feel the Amway Center come alive like that and see downtown Orlando come alive like that because I was downtown during game one uh, and and the, the crowd out at Wall Street was just insane. It was incredible. Um, but I, I think another point that that you that you hit on a little bit there, you hinted at there, uh, and, and you you hit on a lot more in your in your piece for fan-sided was about team identity. And that's obviously something that I think Frank Vogel tried to work on and build, but Steve Clifford did such a good job kind of instilling that belief and instilling an identity in this team. Uh, when you look at this magic team, what do you sense is their identity? What kind of team are they, or are they trying to be? Well, it was one of the, the series of questions I wanted to keep asking them, particularly during their exit interviews, you know, because that idea of an identity Seems like it's so important around the league. I mean, from maybe from my perspective of covering the Heat, obviously that culture, as overstated as it might be, and maybe even used as a marketing tool on more than one occasion, uh, it's real. It appeals to players around the league, especially those that are kind of on the outs and are looking to rejuvenate their careers. They come to Miami knowing they'll be pushed in a direction maybe they've never been pushed before. And, and that will translate into some success and perhaps some lucrative contracts in the future. And, and, and we've seen it on you know, a number of occasions from Miami. In Orlando, I wasn't quite sure. Even watching this team throughout the course of the season, I, I didn't quite have my, my, my finger on the pulse of it. But that's why I wanted to kind of ask the players what they thought of culture, if there is even a culture in place. And, and they, they were all pretty unanimous about saying that they believe in themselves, that there's a defensive tenacity that they haven't had in years, uh, a focus on defense above all else that I think is their calling card, uh, and, and that self-confidence that maybe they've lacked that you were talking about before, that that losing locker room, it, it can be such a toxic environment and one that's kind of self-feeding because you just you just wind up, you see a loss in the horizon, and next thing you know, it kind of builds and builds and builds. This wasn't that group. They were they were able to take those losses, absorb them, and say, "What you know? It's just one of 182 games. We can continue to move on and, and progress." And I and I, I started to see hints of that over the course of the season, like you mentioned during the Memphis game and others. Uh, and and I think that that confidence is a, definitely a big part of that identity. Um, you know, I, I think there's. Also, maybe not necessarily a, a clear-cut superstar on this roster, but I think having 
Nikola Vucevic make the all-star team kind of gave them a, a sense of, well, he is our go-to player in many ways. He's a guy who can get things going for us when things start to stagnate a little bit. You know, obviously his versatility is something that I feel has been overlooked uh, around the league anyway. Obviously, Magic fans and you have known about it for a long time. But around the league, I think you never really consider the kind of playmaking ability that Vooch has and the fact that he is a very versatile, solid player. And and I think having that one, you know, key figure make the all-star team was really something that, that gave them a, a big boost in confidence and everything else. And, and from there, it kind of helps shape the, the hierarchy a little bit. You know, you don't have Mo Bamba to rely on, even though he's a high draft pick and, you know, you're not quite sure what you're getting out of Jonathan Isaac, but he embraces his role as a, a defensive stalwart, even as he's trying to carve out his, his career here. Uh, and, and Aaron, obviously, um, still trying to figure it out, trying to put everything together, but at least doing all the yeoman work that needs to get done in order to translate into wins. And and that ability to to kind of focus on the minutia, the grit and grind of it, you know, not to borrow something from the Grizzlies, but that 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 really helps, you know. They they're willing to do the dirty work. And I don't think that's been the case for a number of years in Orlando. Yeah, and I think I think there's something to that as far as as kind of clarifying and clearing out roles. I mean, I, I remember what Victor Oladipo said uh, on on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast after after the Magic, I think traded him to Oklahoma City. And and Woj asked him about those Magic teams, because you look back at those Magic teams and, and they were really talented. You know, Nikola Vucevic, Victor Oladipo. Right. Uh, Tobias Harris, you know, Reese Harkless has been a starter uh, for the Blazers. Now he's on the Clippers, I believe. Um, it, it's, it, 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 the, I remember Oladipo saying that it, it just felt like everyone was fighting to get theirs. Right. Um, that they had all these young guys trying to prove themselves and, and show that, hey, that I'm the guy. And, and there's so much fighting over that, that, you know, yeah, guys put up numbers, but it ended up hurting the team in the end. And you know, I think I think a really critical moment in the season, and maybe maybe it was nothing, but but visually, the a critical moment in the season was like fourth game of the year. The Magic are in Boston, and Aaron Gordon takes a bad shot. Uh, Magic get you know give up a basket on the other end. They come back down the floor, and Aaron Gordon is like going into a dribble move, doing you know twenty million dribbles like he like he sometimes does. And Clifford calls a timeout mid possession, and to seems to, uh, seem to be yelling at, at, at Gordon specifically as he came to the bench. Uh, and I think that that was, uh, you know, it, it, it probably wasn't as big as I'm making it, but just visually it was a clear signal that, that you know, A, we're not going to put up with that. You know, you got to be smart and play your role. And, and I think that kind of helped. I mean, the rest of the year, I, I mean, I would argue Aaron Gordon had his best year of his career last year. Um, just because he was a lot more balanced and, and, and a lot more versatile as an offensive player. You, you could trust him a little bit more to make good decisions offensively. And, and that wasn't necessarily the case last year when he had, you know, in 2018, when he had such a strong scoring season. Uh, and, and sometimes it wasn't the case this year. I think he still kind of falls out of the habit of trying to isolate too much because um, like, he wants to be that player, I think, in some, in some respect. Uh, but I think that, that, that clarifying those roles helped the Magic dramatically this year and, and I think you're right as much as identity is important in understanding what you do well and doing it well even on your bad nights right. um, which you know I think generally the magic did um, understanding your role within the team also helps you reach that that level and I think that was important and it's gonna, I think it's going to be important this year if the magic have to redefine some roles if, if guys do get better as, as guys do improve uh, as you know I think Clifford said at one point he wanted to get he 
he wanted, you know, one thing he regrets this season was not getting Isaac more, more looks. I mean, Isaac's usage rate was down at like 14%. So if you're getting Isaac more looks, who are you taking looks away from? So I think there's, there's definitely, you're, even though the Magic are essentially bringing back the same team, you're not necessarily going to get the same results. And, and I think that's going to be interesting to see how, how that shakes out this year. That's a critical point, I think, because, you know, one of the things I hinted at was we're not quite sure what the future this team holds. They've gone over that preliminary hump. They, you know, they've, they've excised the demons, so to speak, and they've made the playoffs. That's great. But where do you go from here? And, and who, who does take that shot now? Is, is Vooch still going to be the, the key player uh, offensively for this team? Or is our other players going to step up and take a bigger role? And then how does that shake out? I mean, Maybe from Vucevic's perspective, he's got his contract extension and maybe he doesn't necessarily fit into the long-term plans for this team, although I would argue that he does. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, that's a great point that you mentioned about Isaac. You know, what, what happens to him? And does he fall into that same trap that we saw Gordon and others in the past of trying to get theirs and maybe not necessarily contributing to a team win? And that's, that's a big question. I wonder, you know, for a guy like Terrence Ross, too, who was such a, a critical scorer off the bench, you know, whether or not this cuts into his impact, whether or not the acquisition of Al Farouk Amino kind of changes things. Obviously they're not in the same wheelhouse, but you know, they're, they're going to be key reserves for this team. I mean, Aminu's, I mean, the, the guy, the guy that I see getting squeezed out of the rotation is Wesa Wundu, who I thought was fantastic last year. And I'm really excited for what he can become. But if Clifford's going to run a nine man rotation, either you're, you're running a Wundu as your backup point guard and Marco Fultz is out or Aminu's out, or Iwandu's out. I mean, it's it's really tricky trying to figure out where, how this team shakes out next year. Yeah, and that's that's a challenge. I mean, I'm confident that Clifford will be able to figure it out because, you know, obviously he's experienced enough and he's juggled these kinds of things before. And I think he has probably a much better uh, feeling uh, and pulse <laughs> around the locker room than other you know coaches have had in the past. So I, I, I'm confident he can do it, but... That's not to say that it won't be challenging. So it's going to be a, definitely one of the more interesting narratives following the team this year. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, for sure. Um, when, when you when you look at this Magic team, um, obviously not a lot of changes. Even though we we do anticipate you know some changes within the roster. When you when you look at this Magic team, you know I think one of the questions that that everyone has. I mean I think your article brought brought it up. You know Jonathan Sharks' article for the Ringer brought it up as well. What does this team's future look like? Can, can, we, can we even say at this point what this team's going to be? Because, I mean, I think, I think fans are concerned about getting stuck sort of in that treadmill of mediocrity, of, mm-hmm. of being stuck in those middle seats. It, so I guess, I mean, I guess the real question everyone is asking is whether it happens this year, which I don't know if it happens this year, but is this team able to take the step into contention? Not title contention, no. I, I think they're, they're still a few steps away from that, but I think they can continue to put themselves in a place where they'll be an improved team, even over this year's squad. And, and that'll be, 
I think enough progress to be honest with you. I think as long as you're going to continue to get internal development from the young players, and I think that's a key thing. And and that of course, you know, a lot of that hinges on how Clifford does juggle that rotation. Um, but at the same time, I think if you're starting to get at least a little bit more contribution out of some of these key young players, then you can kind of continue towards to build towards something. But I think you're still because it's just the way the league runs, I think you're still one clear superstar away from being a legitimate title contender. I mean, I wouldn't put it necessarily at the same level as the Toronto Raptors before they acquired Kawhi Leonard, but maybe somewhere around that point where you're a good team that could win closer to 50 games. You know, you don't want to just be above the 500 mark. You want to be closer to the 50, 52 win mark. And then once you get to that point, then you make the move to acquire a superstar that puts you over that level. And, you know, I, I don't see it from false. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know if Gordon has that ability to take that leap. He could just be a really, really good role player. Um, I think Isaac probably has the higher upside of any player on this roster, and I'm not sure how he's going to continue to develop because that's still a tricky thing to watch, you know, as far as his offense is concerned. There are moments that you, you kind of see it all put together, and then there are some where you go, well, he's still a couple of years away from being that kind of impact player. Is it, I mean, and, and I, I think I think that's that's I mean I I, I think that's all all cor- correct and, and interesting and so you know I, I think the the interesting question then is I, I guess what is the next what is the next step for the Magic I mean I I I, I guess the question then is what marks success in in twenty twenty well without a doubt at least a return to the playoffs like you have to build something and and I think. Magic fans would probably be satisfied with a return to the playoffs, even if it's not a huge growth. I mean, at this, I think a lot of people are projecting them to be somewhere around that fifth through eighth seed, maybe. But I mean, if they can, if they can lock themselves into that fifth seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs, I think that you'd still look at this season as a successful one. Uh, again, as long as there is some individual growth there too, that would probably help. Um, beyond that, it's it's very, very difficult to project. Like, I mean, I could see this team just as likely taking a step forward as taking a step back because yeah, of those, those challenges, you know, and, and, and I, and I think, I think something that a lot of, I mean, that, that I've tried to point out a few times, uh, this team got really injury lucky last year, like yeah, really, did. I think their top, all of their top six players played at least 76 games. Which is just insane and really, and really the only major injury they faced was Mo Bamba's injury at the 52 game mark, like in the fifties. And you could argue that that injury helped them. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Kim Birch um, was so valuable off the bench. Yeah. Um, So, and so, I I mean, I, I guess that the the, kind of part and parcel of that question then is, you know, what individual growth or, or, I'm trying to remember, trying to think of how to phrase this properly. Like what it, from an individual growth perspective, or, or I guess what information then will the team learn this year as, as they begin to build? Cause I mean, I, 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 I agree with you baseline making the playoffs is the goal, you know, bottom line, if this is a pass fail season, if you're, if you're looking to pass fail this season, make the playoffs, you pass, miss the playoffs, you fail. Um, but what information does this season give the front office as they plan that next step? Well, Can I they think get any information from the season. <laughs> I mean, obviously from no. this past season or the upcoming, or from season? from the upcoming season. Like what I mean, like like yeah. Aaron Gordon is a really popular player to talk about in trade discussions. I mean, it seems like a lot of the national media when they're looking for you know trade ideas, they say 
Orlando should trade Aaron Gordon. They got Jonathan Isaac. Those two can't play together, which I don't think is necessarily true. But in fairness, like this, I mean, like personally, I think this is a big year for Aaron Gordon. I think, I think if Aaron Gordon wants to develop into a, a quote unquote all star player, yeah. we're going to know by the end of this year whether that's possible. Whether whether he, you know, it's hard to say players hit a ceiling at twenty four, but I think we'll have a better idea of his ceiling by the end of this season. Same token, I think we'll have a better understanding of whether Gordon and Isaac can play together by the end of the season. And, and that's, I think that's what I'm trying to get at here. He needs to be a more consistent o- offensive threat to me. I, I just, I, I'm just still not sure what to make of his offense. To me, it's still inconsistent. There are still times where, like you hinted at where he is out of control and doesn't quite put it all together. The athleticism, the tools are there. Uh, and as much growth that we've seen over his short career, there needs to be something more. And I think he, he, to, he needs to develop a consistent go-to move. There are still times where he gets stuck in the low post and he doesn't know exactly what to do with it. He shouldn't probably post up much at all, even even at his size and strength. I, I think mean, he says still... he says that's something he's been working on this this summer to, to add a post game. Because I agree with you. I looked at some of his post clips, and he's literally just trying to like lower his shoulder, get into the guy's body, and push him underneath the basket. He doesn't have a post game to speak of. Right. So, and and he's not a consistent perimeter threat either. So, at what point are you going to continue to trot him out on the floor, knowing he's going to need some touches in order to be effective and you know put up some mediocre numbers as a result? I mean, are you taking away those shot opportunities from your other young and up and coming players? And and you know, I think a lot of that hinges also on what you may or may not get out of Fultz. I mean, if he's going to be the the team's point guard of the future in some way. You have to know what you're getting out of him, and he's going to need some touches as well. So is he going to be able to take away that offense from other players that are going to have to show something? And that's where that you know same same juggling challenge becomes a problem because you're not sure if Isaac needs to take a step forward. And, and, and Gordon is probably the key player because of those trade talks. You want to make sure that he's going to be at least have a, a consistent foundation on offense so that you can say, well, that's a step he can continue to build on that. And, um, and, he's, and he's got the big salary to, to make salaries match if you want to go after. I mean, I, I think the popular trade trade rumor going around is D'Angelo Russell for Aaron Gordon right now, um, which I, you know. I hadn't I, heard that. And that doesn't uh, seem like it makes much sense either. It doesn't make much sense to me for either team at this juncture. A little bit for Golden State. I think, I think for Golden State, it makes a little bit of sense, but not a lot. Um, but it, it's, it, but like, you know, you had the C.J. McCollum for Aaron Gordon kind of trade thought exercise. Uh, you have, you know, people when 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 the next big trade that that goes down. If the I mean, for a lot of people who think the Magic making that next big move, Aaron Gordon's the trade chip. He's got the big salary. You know, Jonathan duplicates a lot of what Jonathan Isaac does. So if Isaac's ready for that role, and the Magic need to go get that guy, Gordon's contract is is set up to make that kind of a move. I mean, I mean, I think. You know, I'm sure. You know, there's obviously been been people who want to go after Chris Paul in, in Oklahoma City. There's there's people who you know maybe want to go get into the Bradley Beal discussions with Washington. Um, but um, you know, Gordon's kind of that big trade ship they have if they wanted to go make that move. Which again, I don't think they're ready to do. I don't think they want to make that move yet. I don't think they're ready for that move yet. What would be the one thing that that you would need to see out of Gordon this year to say, well, he's taken X leap forward? Consistency. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, last year he showed, I thought he showed a lot of consistency, but like 2017, when he had his big breakout scoring year, mm-hmm. he'd have games where he shot, where he scored 40 points and shot, you know, really well from beyond the arc. 
And then he'd have games where he'd score six or seven points. Uh, and I thought what was really key about his game last year was he was pretty consistently, you know, in the 12 to like 21 range. And you could count on him for that many points. It, so I think for him to take the next step, he's got to get his three-point field goal percentage probably over 35%. He's at about 30. He was at 34 last year. Right. So he's got to continue to show that, that you can't ignore him at the three-point line. From there, I want to see his effective field goal percentage get above like 47, 48%. Like, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I think he's got to be a lot more efficient as a shooter. And then as a scorer, be consistently in that 17 to 24 range is, is probably where he needs to be to, to, to realize his kind of full potential. Otherwise, he's just going to be a nice second, third option defender. And, and really, this year, I know he said last year his goal is to make the all-defensive team. This year, I want to see him make the all-defensive team. I think that is goal number one for, for him. Can can you see Vooch taking a, a, a regression next season? Because I, I kind of expect that to be the case. And if that means that, that Gordon's taking a leap forward, then I, it probably still translates into team-wide success. I, I, think, I think if things go ideally for the Magic, like best-case scenario for Orlando, it's not that Vooch disappears. I, I right. don't expect him to average 20 and 13 again. If, if right. he's at like 17, 18, and 12, with three, four assists per game again, that's that's plenty. I think if things go right for the Magic, Aaron Gordon is the representative on the All Star team. That like, makes. I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I think that we've been waiting for it to happen. That the baton gets passed from a guy like Vucevic to a guy like Gordon, because I think that's clearly the direction the Magic want to move. And it's and, and you know everyone here knows me. I'm a Vooch supporter. I, I, I've been a Vooch guy for a long time, probably supported him when I shouldn't have. Uh, but but um, the, the guy hates Kylo Ren. That's, that's the only bad thing I can say about him. Uh, but uh, but, um, but I, I, I think that Gordon needs to be the guy. And, and, I, and I, again, I think that, and I'll probably talk more about this and why I think this, but I think this is a huge year for Gordon to figure out if he can be that guy. Because again, this, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the playoffs that we saw in the playoffs that Vucevic is going to struggle when, when yeah. the game gets really physical. And, you know, frankly, no one stepped up for the Magic. And it wasn't really until game four that I think Aaron realized I have to step up and I have to do more. And, and he started to. And, and I think it, in game four, when they made their little run to make that game a little bit interesting, it was Aaron Gordon leading the way. Which is that's promising, and that's the kind yeah. of thing that you, he can build on, you know, from a uh, an assertiveness I, perspective and confidence. I, I thought, I thought honestly, like I don't think he would say this, and and he certainly made mistakes in his first playoff series. I thought he had a really good playoff series. The only, if anything, I was complaining he wasn't aggressive enough on the ball, and I think yeah. he gave Kawhi Leonard a little too much respect. Um, I thought his defense on Kawhi, you know, maybe he wasn't physical at the point of catch. Like he should have been, and I know he noted that after game one that he didn't kind of force Kawhi off his spots enough in, in, in early in that series. I thought his defense on Kawhi was pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Kawhi was a monster at the whole playoffs. Like, no one was stopping him. Did you ever get a sense that around the locker room players were kind of deferring to Vooch a little bit to, to help him boost his numbers uh, and to help, you know, particularly in a contract year, knowing what was at stake for him, that maybe they were more than – a little bit like the way Aaron kind of his, his shots, you know, took a step back and, and maybe there was a little bit of deferring to, to Vooch. The there was, I wouldn't say deferring in that sense. I think 
early on in the season, I, I mean, I think I, I, I would honestly say this. I think for the first time that since Vooch came to Orlando, the Magic actually ran the offense through him. Right. Um, uh, I think in the previous years, Vooch was always the leading scorer, but he wasn't the focal point of the offense. It was always Oladipo or, Tobi- or Tobias. Like, right. I think they ran the offense through him. And, and I think probably, I think early on, it took some believing that it could work, but they saw how good he was playing. They saw how important he was to making everything else work for them. And I think that, I, like you said, you buy into roles. So they saw early on that it was going to help them win or that fighting it wasn't, was, wasn't going to help them win. And so they started winning games like that, and they all bought in. And, and, and so they relied on him a little bit more. You know, I think Aaron searched for his own shots on occasion. I, I think the big guilty party as far as making sure he got his shots were, it was Evan Fournier. I thought Fournier's shot selection wasn't always the best. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think he, you know, got, he definitely took some heat from fans for that. And I think probably rightfully so. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if they defer to defer to him. I just think they realized he was their best bet to win. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, I, I don't think we've talked about it enough this off season. Steve Clifford got outcoached against the Raptors. Nick, Nick nurse, you know, yeah, he had the better team. He had the better players, but Clifford just, I don't think he did a good job getting his guys open shots or getting, Vucevic in good scoring positions to, to get him out of that of that funk that he was in. Well, I mean, I, I just I remember watching those first couple of games uh, when they were in Toronto and, and the Raptors defense was incredible. I mean, it was yeah. just it was phenomenal watching them like Vucevic had seemed so dominant for most of the year, or at least capable, if nothing else. I didn't I, think he I was going to get outclassed that way. Vucevic, I think you could I think Vucevic had two bad games the entire season to that point. Yeah, and and they just they mitigated him completely. Like he he wasn't a factor. He was he seemed lost for the first time all season. And, so, and some of it, and some of it, I think was the stage. I, I do think the stage got to them a little bit finally. Like you said, they had that supreme confidence in the regular season. Yeah, I think when the playoffs came around, like they 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 punched hard in game one, and then they got punched in the mouth a little bit in game two, and and they just I think they they I think the moment got a little big for them. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, the, the last thing, I'll get you out on this. Um, you know, making the playoffs isn't just about the record you have and, and, and the team you bring back. It's also about what other teams did. And the Eastern Conference is, is really, really, really interesting, I think, this year. Uh, and 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 I think the one thing that's a, kind of interesting in working the Magic's favor is that it doesn't feel like any team outside of the playoffs made moves to get significantly better, except the Miami Heat. And I know you cover the Heat on Locked On Heat. What do you think of the of the Heat? Do you feel like they did enough to get themselves back into the playoff back into the playoffs? And you know, as far and, and no offense to the Wizards, who I think will be sneaky sneakily okay. Uh, and uh, the Atlanta Hawks, who also will be improved, but probably not ready. And certainly, no offense to the Charlotte Hornets, who are probably the worst team in the league. Um, 
how does the Southeast division battle shake out between the heat and the magic? Um, are, are the heat coming for the magic spot? Are they going to take their spot? I, I would say yes. And I don't really on my part, but watching the heat closely over the last few years, uh, they've been so rudderless, even as they continue to outwork opponents, which is a little different, but still that, that kind of identity is what's defined them for so long, but they've also had the talent to kind of match that work ethic. Uh, they also were without a clear leader for most of the season and the season before, even with Dwayne's return to Miami, uh, you know, that that was that took away a lot of the focus there. And they were entrusting Josh Richardson to be the go to player. And he didn't really live up to that challenge. So that was very, you and know, it was, diff- was in and out of the lineup. And Hassan yeah. Whiteside was and Hassan Whiteside. drafted in the second round and got yes. passed over for so long. Yes. Uh, a lot of things kind of regressed the way they had. And look, James Johnson was injured. He came back and he was kind of out of shape. His condition was an issue. Uh, Deion Waiters similarly was uh, you know out for a long time, so there was a lot of things that went wrong with that team. And you know, Dwayne's retirement tour really took the focus on on, on most of the season. It was the the primary factor driving whenever wherever they went from you know city to city. It was all about Dwayne Wade and and his last stop there, et cetera. So uh, I think for the young players, they kind of they kind of took a step back. They they didn't they didn't want to overstep what Dwayne went to the franchise and and they, I think that kind of showed on the court as well as off the court. I think now with Jimmy Butler, that's going to change dramatically. I, I would actually say that Miami's to me anyway, closer to a top four seed in the Eastern conference than out of the playoffs. And I know some people are kind of off on them and not really sure that they've improved that much because Josh Richardson's numbers were solid, but <laughs> you saw in that first game of the season at Orlando, he just, he couldn't live up to the moment. And he's just, and there were others like that throughout the course of the season where he just wasn't ready. Jimmy Butler's always been a player who's embraces the, those. Last Jimmy, minutes. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler showed in the playoffs. He is that dude. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that was missing from Miami for so long, uh, even with Dwayne's return. And, and now that Jimmy's there as capable as he is, he's going to, he's going to take it to everybody in that locker room and he's going to show them, what it means to be a real leader, whether they like it or not. And I think they'll respond favorably. I think um, I've got a story coming out on Dion Waiters in a couple of weeks where he's in phenomenal shape. Uh, his trainer told me specifically that he's in the best shape of his NBA career and he's ready to prove something this season. So there's a lot of players on this roster with something to prove and a chip on their shoulder. And I know that narrative kind of gets overstated a little bit, but I think it's a, it's going to be a real factor for this. And I think even for Jimmy, Showing that now he's capable. This is his one of the things that you know we did recently on Locked On Heat was do a Jimmy Butler week where we talked to reporters who covered him, you know, during his his early career in Chicago, Minnesota, Philadelphia, et cetera. Uh, and, and you know he chose to be in Miami for better or for worse. This is his choice for the first time ever. He actually had his choice as to where to go. And obviously he forced his way out of Minnesota and he cho- chose to leave Philadelphia, but he chose to come to Miami. And I think that's a big thing for him and having to prove that he is worthy of not just the contract, but that responsibility is going to be something that drives him. Not like he really needs much incentive, but at the same time, that's going to drive him to an even further step. And I, I think he actually has somewhat MVP potential, to be honest with you. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if there's if there's one guy, if there's one player in the NBA today that embodies everything Pat Riley is really about, yeah, it's it's Jimmy Butler. And, and I mean... If, if he can be a leader, and I, I think that's honestly the biggest question I have about the Heat, and you know, I'm probably not as high on the Heat as you are, but I, I think that they are a firm playoff team. Jimmy Butler by himself 
in the Eastern Conference, so long as he's healthy. Because I think if he's not healthy, then the Heat have problems. But if he's healthy, Jimmy Butler by himself is enough to get the Heat into the playoffs. Because he he is that dude. And he yeah. showed that in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you, you can expect from Bam Adebayo to start, too. And I Bam's think. good, too. Yeah, yeah Bam is really good. He's really solid. Like, the issue with him is... Unfortunately, confidence, and we're not quite sure if he's going to be able to tie it all together. But if he's going to be a great complementary player, Justice Winslow has a lot to prove. Now that that tandem between him and, and Josh Richardson has been broken up a little bit, not that they were limiting each other, but I think now he kind of realized, I, I have to put up or I could get traded away the same way Josh was. Because, I mean, I think Josh was beloved by that franchise. They did not want to include him and Butler talks, but ultimately they had to in order to acquire a superstar. And and, and, and you can't forget Goran Dragic being there. Yeah. I mean, I think the big question with him is how happy will he be with the trade not going through as 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 planned. Um, but he's still a really good point guard uh, he when, when he's motivated. And, and and that Miami team is 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 really solid. And and like, like bringing it full circle, they do have a really good culture. They have a really good coach. Um, if Jimmy Butler buys in and and is you know kind of a focused Jimmy Butler rather than you know kind of a uh, sometimes pouting Jimmy Butler, uh, which yeah. again he chose Miami. There's no reason that he would be that way. Um, they they do I, I agree they do have the potential to be very very good. I mean I think depth is my biggest concern with them, um, but I haven't studied their roster particularly closely. And one thing that I will say, I think it's really good and really fun that the Heat and Magic will be good at the same time. That hasn't <laughs> happened very often. Yeah, I remember. Good, you said. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think it, I think the only times the Magic and the Heat have been in the playoffs the same years are like 96, 97. Uh, 2010 to 2012. 2010, 2012. Yeah, it's 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 been very rare that the Magic uh, and 99 when they were when they tied for the Atlantic Division t- championship. Right. Um, but it's very rare that the Heat and Magic. And of course, they tied for the Atlantic Division Championship and both lost in the first round. Um, but it's very rare that the Heat and Magic are good at the same time, and so I think that's going to be some added juice to, to those games, which we always we always look forward to playing Miami. Um, David, tell everyone where they could find you on on the Twitter on the Twitterverse and, and where they can find your writing and, and podcast. Well, right now uh, they can just uh, look me up at Twitter at dramil13. That's D R A M I L thirteen. Uh, my writing is mostly limited to just the step back at Fansided and at Forbes right now. But they can also listen to me on my podcast via the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On Heat. Yep. And and uh, you, do you still host a day of Locked On NBA? Or, or, or Yes. That- sorry. That's right. Every every uh, Tuesday morning, we'll be there for Locked On NBA as well. Yep. Definitely check out David. Um, I want to thank you for coming on the show, David. We appreciate your commentary and perspective on the Orlando Magic as, as someone who, follow, who follows the team and is around the team, but maybe isn't as, as like, glue, as, you know, glued to the, to the optimi- to the optimism of the team, a little bit of an outside perspective on them. So we appreciate that. You can, of course, follow our podcast, Locked on Magic, on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast, as well as to Locked on Heat and Locked on NBA at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore on D. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. For my Orlando listeners, if you haven't already, do what you got to do. Prepare for the hurricane. It is probably we may it, right now the track is uh, as we're recording this is set to hit over central florida the ice set to hit over central florida even if it tracks north we will get a ton of rain and some wind on sunday and monday so be prepared stay safe i'll be reminding you of this the rest of the week as well um and so just be prepared for the hurricane but until next time for orlando magic daily and locked on magic this has been philip rossman right i'll see you all again next time for another episode of locked on magic 
You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 